0: Welcome in, and here are your fantasy junkies: John Overby, Stephen Gilbert, and Frank Scott. Welcome to the junkyard. As you heard in our intro, this is the Fantasy Junkies podcast, your one-stop shop. Po- well, your one-stop pod for fantasy football. I forgot to change that a few episodes oh, no. ago. Uh, my name is John Overby, and I'm joined by Stephen, the fantasy film snob Gilbert, and Frank, the tank Scott. How how goes it, fellow junkies?
1: Oh, I'm ready to rock and roll. I'm energized. Are you in this I'm super sized. I'm ostracized. I you? So you're
0: yeah, we're... Okay, then. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you're bringing the energy for this. <laughs> I'm ready, man. Steve and I are pretty low key. We're like, oh yeah, we're ready to go.
1: <laughs> I am so excited. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, uh, I'm getting excited for draft season. I've been pouring into all this stuff. I'm I am ready to go. I I say bring it on. I'm ready for these Saturdays to start hitting.
0: Let's do it. Plan for you guys. Um, the uh, next two segments you're about to hear are all about auction drafts and some tips and strategies all about auctions. And at the end, we're going to tack on. Um, A little conversation between us three. We've got a fantasy auction coming up, so we thought we would you know, let you guys see the end results of what we're talking about today.
1: Yeah, and we'll discuss some of the strategies we used or maybe failed to use and how we like or don't like our teams. And I'll probably give a pretty harsh critique of John's team. I tend to do that. I just talk about how mine's far (laughs) superior in pretty much every way. Although he might beat me in the kicker category. That's pretty much his thing.
0: The kicking Yeah, I always have a great kicker.
1: <laughs> One thing I do want to say, though. I got a real
0: kicker.
1: Yeah, well, I wanted to uh, thank our listeners real quick for uh, sticking with us, listening to us. Uh, I know we've been having some technical difficulties. We had a little bit at the beginning of our last pod, the tight end show. Uh, so thank you guys for uh, dealing with that and hopefully still enjoying the show. Uh, we are trying to figure those things out. Uh, We are pretty low budget at this point, but we are doing our best to resolve the issues. I'm giving you my thumbs up right now, but you can't see me, so.
0: (laughs) Yeah, good job, listeners. Yeah, you're the best. Appreciate all you do. Continue
1: Um, all that junk? What would I say there? The junk? I don't (laughs) know. eh. Yeah, that's
0: good enough. Okay. Yeah. So, we'll... So... First up, um we've got a question to lead us off. I don't know if you guys know. Oh, this. man, awesome.
1: Oh, but ah. this
0: love questions. This This isn't a junk mail segment though, because this question's coming from me, John O in Kentucky. Oh, okay. So a, as we are about to dive into some auction talk, I thought it was fitting to start with an auction question. So why is auction so much better than snake drafts? Or why are auctions so much better than snake drafts?
1: proper grammar is important. If you say so, what do you think, Frank? You wanna take it first?
2: Well, I have done the snake draft for a long time. And probably like a lot of people, I think you're kinda of like, don't wanna change and don't want to change it up. So you kinda you're kinda of like, kind of like just kinda of like scared to take the dive and be do an auction draft. But when we took the dive, it was the best thing I think we did for the league, to be honest with you. And what makes me like it more is there was more strategy. I think you get more study in, in a draft like this because you've got to know when to pounce, when to hold back. I like it too because I can get the player that I want. Snake draft, you kind of got to wait and see what everybody does and what everybody picks. And I think you've got to be more on your game, and it's more – I don't know, guys. You tell me how the adrenaline is tomorrow when we get ready to open up the Oxen draft, the adrenaline flow and the excitement and the butterflies are just unlike a snake draft, I think. So, it's probably my my, my big thing about it.
1: Yeah, and actually you're talking about adrenaline. I've been feeling adrenaline about this for probably – Two months at least. I mean, I, I've been prepping for it for like five months, but I've been feeling the energy from it for about two. Yeah, Frank, right. I, I have a lot of those same points. You know, you it does take more strategy. I mean, I this is a pretty common analogy, but it does feel like you're playing chess with a with a auction, and then with a normal snake style draft, you're just kind of playing checkers. One thing is that the how often you have to be with it. You know, really in the moment and paying attention. Like an auction, it's boom, 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 boom. Like it's one right after the other. They just keep flowing, and you have to be in the moment continuously. Whereas with a snake style, maybe you have a pick, and then you sit there and you wait, and you look around, and you make fun of everybody, and then you don't really do anything for like 10 minutes, and then it's your turn again. And like you said, if you've done snake styles over and over and over, they kind of lose their luster a bit, I would say. But auction, man, I'm only in one auction league. And I have planned for that thing a thousand times more than any of my other drafts. And I think I'm going to do just fine in those other drafts anyway, because I know who the good players are. I know who to take, but with an auction, with everybody on the table, on the table. Love, it. love it.
0: All right. So Steven did a plea last episode. I'm going to do a plea this episode. If you have not done an auction, you've got to at least try it. Um, I get they're not for everyone, but it is the most unpredictable format for fantasy football. And what makes fantasy football so great is the chaos of it all. So why not bring that feeling to your draft as well? Like you guys said, when you, when you do a snake draft, you can get a pretty good indication of what your team will look like like when you know your draft order. You can't entirely predict who's going to go ahead of you, but you have a pretty good idea and can probably even narrow it down to three or four people. Uh, it's fun, don't get me wrong. You know, we all love snake drafts too but oh yeah um, it's it's not, it's not completely unpredictable uh another reason auction is superior uh frank mentioned this up top is the strategy uh your best strategy in a snake draft is to take the best player available in the first three or four rounds and from there take the best player available but vary <laughs> it slightly by position need base position need based on what you did in the first few rounds so in auction you can buy the team you want to construct If you want Zeke and Le'Veon, go get Zeke and Le'Veon. You know it's up to you to decide who you get and who you don't get, and you you really don't have anyone else to blame if you don't get them, as opposed to Snake, like where you have no chance of ever even dreaming of getting even one of those players. You know, in auction you get both if you really want them. You can Uh, pay. Right, so yeah, um, auction is the superior format. The only legitimate knock against it. It's something I want you to address, Stephen. Okay. The length, the length of an auction. it They can get pretty long. Uh, so what would you say to defend that aspect of it? All right. For me, if
1: I'm in a home league, uh, most of the ones I play in, we don't all live in the same place. We don't all do the same things. We don't work in the same places. A lot of times, this might be the only time all year that I'm actually in a location with other people. These are the same group of people that I've been playing this game with for years. This is our only time together all year. All right. If everyone's meeting at one place and that's special to me, it is like, I feel like if it's going to take four, five hours, that's the only four or five hours. It's going to take all year. Just enjoy it. (laughs) Breathe it in take it in. Love it. Um, that's that's my take on it if you're busy i'm sorry try to clear your schedule i'm a busy guy too i get it but i say make time for it it's a special thing and even if it's just an online draft you're still there you're still in the chat you're still making fun of each other it's still everyone sharing that moment i think it's a big thing you know come together spend the time don't worry about it just enjoy it
0: right that that's uh great advice steven um and and so we're each going to give three tips and our strategies we like to use for our auction draft and uh, my answer to the criticism of the length of the draft is actually my first tip as well so uh be the guy who speeds up the auction so this is something i started last year and i don't know what you guys thought but i, I think it sped up the process you know i thought it sped up uh pretty well uh so when you're bidding on an elite player, there's absolutely positively no reason for there ever to be a $5 bid on Odell Beckham. There's no need for there to be a $20 bid or a $30 bid. Just uh, just as a quick disclaimer since I'm thinking about it, if we ever mention a theoretical bid price and it sounds super high, that's because our main league has a budget of 350 as opposed to the $200 budgets a lot of leagues have. Uh, I don't think we've done that yet, but I just want to throw that one out there if we do it later on. Uh, yeah I was back
1: to- I was trying pretty hard to not do that. I was, get, was just gonna say something like x amount of dollars it sounds right really I, did that. <laughs> I did that with the twenty
0: dollar thirty dollar bit bid on up
1: right.
0: updale. but <laughs> I wanna throw it out there in case we uh,
1: sure.
0: subconsciously do it. but um so yeah back back to the original point. so have an idea for a good baseline that you would be happy to spend on an elite player and throw that bid out as soon as it gets started. This has kind of two effects. First, it sends the message to the room that only the serious bidders need to waste their time and breath. You know, uh, secondly, the first time you do it, it sends a little bit of a shockwave into the room. Uh, the first time I did it last year, I got a guy for about $10 cheaper than I was willing to spend. Um, somebody I really liked, um, And I honestly think that wouldn't have happened if the natural bidding order had taken place. Um, So the key to the strategy, though, is to never, ever bid on a guy you don't like because you'll never forgive yourself if you get stuck with him. So not only did you waste part of your budget on him, but you also wasted a roster spot on him. Um, And and when you're doing a strategy on a guy, you do, like, make it a reasonable number where, where you'll be super happy if you do get him, but you're not really expecting to get him at that price. You know, while it's great, if you do get them at a discounted press, like I said I did last year, that's not the goal of this. You're just speeding up the process and boiling it down to knowing the bidders who actually – so once you know, Maybe. you get a better sense of what could happen, I think. Yeah. So, that so that's my – yeah. Um, so how, how about you
1: give us your first tip, Steven? Um, My first one, I think I actually already used this language uh, before in your uh, question a few minutes ago, but I would say be in the moment. And by that, I mean, don't within your auction draft live in the past or in the future. Okay. Your thought should be, what is the best thing I can do for my team right now? Because here's what I've seen in the past. You're doing an auction draft, and you make a mistake, right? We've made fun of me in the past for bidding, I think, $17 on Colin Kaepernick, right? Mistake. And you know what it did? It messed with me for the rest of the draft. Because for every player that came up later that I wanted, I would think, man, if I only had that $17 from that stupid quarterback, too. That's what I kept thinking (laughs) continuously, and I kept beating myself up. And instead of just letting it go, okay, I wish I didn't have that contract right there, but I do. So now, what can I do at this moment to make my team better? That's the way you got to focus. Some other ways this can affect you is if, say you've got a favorite player, Antonio Brown, for instance, and you just love him and you want him, and then you don't get him. That can really ruin your day. That can make you bummed out, and that can make you kind of lose focus for a little while before you can get back on track. You can't let that happen. As I said a minute ago, the auction, you have to be with it, every pick, every player, because you—you ha- you know, everyone's on the table, so the stakes are high. Um, or, inverse of that, you might get Antonio Brown, in which case you might celebrate for the next hour and not realize you have no depth on your roster. This is not good. Stay in the moment. What can I do to help my team out? Uh, the second part of this is don't assume a future for your team. Like if, if you were to say, think that Jarvis Landry and Golden Tate are essentially the exact same player, and right now Jarvis Landry is going for what you consider a reasonable price, go ahead and buy him. Don't think to yourself, you know, Golden Tate might be cheaper in a few minutes. Do not think that because he could just as well be much more expensive. You don't know. It's kind of random. You don't know who, who's going to like who. So if you see the guy right in front of you for a good price, go ahead and take him.
0: Right. And then going on your last point, if Golden Tate does come up later, it, you could have already spent some money on somebody else. So now you don't, you can't afford. Right. You're right. Tate. So don't, don't assume so you lost anything. It. Right. I also liked where you talked about you really want Antonio Brown and you don't end up with him. That's I think that's a really important note. We mentioned if you want a guy, you can go get him, but don't overpay for somebody just because you really want them. Mm-hmm. You know, have a maximum bid um, kind of in mind, I think, for each player. That's how I Is it. that something you guys oh. – yeah, I do that too.
1: Yeah, I definitely do. I'll I, I, I'll plan it off like how much is the, the minimum that I would have to bid for Gronk if no one else is going to buy. And then I'll also look at what is the maximum I'm willing to go. And if they get to that point, usually that's it for me. Right. I'm not that way.
2: All By right, that was fun. It is, Well, if I get a guy that – one guy that I always target usually, not to say I will tomorrow, but – Mr. Julio Jones, I've got him for so many years, and I just would think, I'm getting this guy. I'm going to pay for him. If it got to such an extreme amount, and guys, I don't want to give you guys my tips before tomorrow, but I'm sure you've seen them. If I got a guy like Julio Jones, when I throw a bid <laughs> out, I'm not going to say 45. I want to be like, 45! I'm gonna be authoritative with my bids. <laughs> if they say like fifty-five, I'm gonna say fifty-six.
1: You're gonna yell at it, five, makes, five. it
2: makes them think that you're just gonna—they're gonna have to just give it up because you're gonna cut at them no matter what. But there is a certain point that I will just say, well, if they're gonna bid that much, they can have them. I'm gonna give them a strategy, guys. I'm gonna call this Rocky Four. Oh, no. Drain.
1: (laughs) Drain
2: their budget. Remember how Rocky was just draining the Russian? Body blows. Body blows. Right. Making him throw those haymakers (laughs) and just wearing him down. Well, that's one of the great strategies of auction. You throw some guys out there that you know people want, but they're going to have to pay big-time dollars. And sometimes I throw guys out there that I may not get, but sometimes guys—I don't know if you feel this way—sometimes I'll throw a guy out there to say Aaron Rodgers. You throw Aaron Rodgers out there, and everybody starts bidding in the room, but it, it seems like the bids are not going very high. Well, I'm just not going to let him go cheap. I may just jump in there and take him. So, but I like to drain those budgets, try to throw those high-level players out there to see and then you could you can have a big advantage if you got guys in the league that's spent a lot of their cash
0: right um I think another thing with auction is everybody's available for the right price I think that was kind of what you're talking about with rogers like right you may you can get rogers beforehand but if if he's not going for seeing obscene amount of money, Aaron Rodgers is a good guy to have on your fantasy football team. You know? Right. Very true. No so, doubt. So, uh, my computer restarted.
1: Oh, fun. And
0: is in the process of restarting right now. So, we're going to do kind of an ironic thing and do a snake style <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> tip giving and go with Frank again and see if my computer's ready by the time you get back to me.
2: Good. Oh do I, do I need, you
1: need
2: to get what's your name? do I need to
1: give that take again? No, no, you just do your next one. oh,
0: I'm up again yeah, go to the next tell yeah, me,
1: <laughs> tell me when you're ready. you ready? no, we're good for uh, he he just can't see his chart right now. We're good to go, okay,
0: okay yeah my no, my notes are on my computer, so
2: I don't know if I have a name for this next strategy um. But this strategy would be to keep your opponent off balance. And a lot of times people think you're throwing bids out there just to get them to spend. But then at other times you can throw a guy that you really want. They may not be high level guys or maybe in the top, uh, may not be a tier one kind of player, which is the top of the line players. But you may throw a guy, let's just say Carlos Hyde, maybe that. May You think you want, but you're not going to have to pay a lot. And a lot of people may be going through their notes and think that he's way down on the list. And uh, you may be able to get him cheap when you do something like that. So you got to kind of keep people off balance. Throw guys out there that you want. Sometimes I'll throw guys out there that I just think maybe that they'll bite on. And I think that is a good strategy. you got to keep them guessing. You don't want them to know your plan at all times. So not always to throw a big name out there. Sometimes you need to throw some. You may get a guy if you throw him out there a little cheaper when everybody else is throwing out big names. You can throw a smaller name out there and maybe get them for a good price.
0: Right. I'll kind of uh, piggyback on this because this was my second second tip or strategy or whatever Um, is – I would just say have a nominating strategy ready to go when you go into the draft. Have an idea of what you want to do. So that also means know your league. Your league, you know, if they overvalue quarterback and tight end, those onesies positions, you know, you just start one one player, uh, and you know that they overvalue them, keep feeding them quarterbacks and tight ends to spend their money on. And that way you have – You know, there's less total money that's going to be spent on running backs and wide receivers. You know, the earlier you send out those quarterbacks and tight ends, if they're overvalued, the, you know, the running backs and wide receivers are going to be be better values because people don't have as much money to spend on them. Though, what you want to do, or what I like to do, is kind of throw out Guys that are around people, I'm position, I'm targeting, because okay. So in every auction, there's kind of a lull. Um, there's a there's a point where people's pocketbooks they kind of uh, they get tighter, and so people who, if it was a normal snake draft, like they would go higher in the theoretical round. So you're getting. You're getting a, at a great value. What I like to do is have as many of the guys I'm targeting to be in that lull. That way when they're throwing up, I can get a few of the guys I'm targeting at pretty good discounts. So, that, so I would just say kind of know your league and
1: have a nominating strategy when you go into it. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I don't have any of my strategies based around that. But that lull you're talking about, I've definitely seen it uh, in years past. You know, typically starting out, everyone's pockets are full and they're willing to spend. But eventually people will realize, oh, my money's running out. And what you really have to be doing is purposefully be looking for that moment. It might be different in every draft. I don't know if it's if you want to think like an hour into it, two hours into it, I usually think like, well, about what round are we into this draft? So usually, you know, with nominations, it doesn't come up like straight in order of average draft position. But by and large, you do kind of follow that pattern. Even, you know, you'll leave some guys out maybe and come back and get them later. But you're kind of following that pattern and – for me, it's like maybe when you start getting to that 6th, 7th, 8th round, people's pocketbooks just close up, and they want to hold them close and just not bid anymore for whatever reason. Maybe they're trying to save for something else. But, yeah, I'm with you. You can definitely hit some deals, some bargains in that zone. Um, and some of those players are still really good, so that can be some good value.
0: Right. Yeah, I want the guys that I'm targeting to be in that lull. And, and when I'm talking about – uh, nominating people around those guys you're targeting, I'm talking about you, the guys that you'd be targeting in those kind of middle, the middle portion of your draft. Right. You know, it's like, if you're targeting Odell Beckham, you can't really plan around it. He's going to get brought up mm. early on. Right. You know, so they'll bring up some of those middle portion guys, and hopefully they'll go for more, and it'll leave the guys that you're actually targeting to be in that lull.
1: Mm. Yeah, that's that's a good strategy. I like that. It is. I remember
2: the first – I think this was our first auction draft we did this. It may have been the second. I can't remember, guys. But I remember – I think I'd spent quite a bit, and I just got to the point where I knew I had to – like that lull you talk about, John. And I think John was trying – I think you held back a little bit and had money in that middle tier in the middle rounds – People were bringing up players, and I couldn't bet anything on them because I done spent my money. <laughs> but, John, I think that year had just, like, he may have had, like, four guys in a row he got.
0: Cause yeah, I was, that was a really deep <laughs> – uh, <laughs> yeah, I remember that well. That was um, – that was, uh, I think, the second mm-hmm. year we did it. I, I didn't really know what to expect that first year, but the second year I – I came in there pretty well right. planned. <laughs> uh, something else, I think, from that same draft was we had a guy that was – he had, like, $40 left and two or three spots left to fill. Uh, that I would not recommend. No. Um, yeah, there, there's a point where you've, you've waited too long. Um, y- if you've got money left, you want to – be the person in there bidding for that law. You don't want to, you don't really want to have a lot of money left over because that means you left a lot of value. On if the you're table. bidding
1: twenty dollars on Rod Smith, you done it wrong.
0: Right. <laughs> but um. So what's what's your second uh, tip or well, strategy? Well, on the
1: face of it, just the name this might sound like it's kind of spitting in the face of some of the stuff you guys have said, but I don't think it really is. I'm talking. I'm saying focus on your own team. And by that, I don't mean like, you know, trying to get someone else to spend, like bringing up good players you might not necessarily like, something like that. I'm thinking of like somehow building a grudge within the draft. Like say you really wanted Juju Smith-Schuster. You thought this was going to be a great year for him, but then someone else comes and takes him, and they spend more than you're willing to. And so you end up like – holding up the fist of anger and just being so mad at them. So then you like try to stick it to them later and try to bid them up later and things like that, or try to take their guy later. Uh, That stuff isn't going to help your team. It's probably going to end up with you making some pretty poor decisions. So I would say steer clear of things like that. Realize that before the draft starts, you don't have any guys. They're all on the table. So if someone else bid more, that means they valued them more. That means that they're their player, not yours. Let it go. It's all good. Um, I understand the strategy of bidding up other players. If you know, like if you kind of feel like they're going to keep bidding, but to, to like pick out one other player in that draft, uh, you know, another league, uh, team owner in that league of yours and just say, well, I'm going to get them or I'm make them get theirs that's going to lead to your own frustration. It's going to lead to your, you know, you're going to end up messing up your own team, I think, more times out of uh, uh, more times than not. So I would say just steer clear of it. It kind of goes with my first tip of just staying in the moment, what's best for my team. Don't worry about someone else's team. If you look at the the board and you see that someone else seems like they've got a better team than you right now, hey, don't worry about it. They got plenty of time to screw it up. And odds are your ranks aren't completely right anyway. They might not be as good as you think. So focus on your team. What can you do to help your squad? Don't worry about the other ones. Don't worry about any weird sabotaging techniques. Uh, And certainly don't get, like, afraid in the middle of a draft and feel like you've let someone else make it uh, build a great team. Usually it all levels out just fine. So that's that's really my key for my first two is focus on your own team.
0: I would add to that. You mentioned you you see the the strategy of bidding someone up. Uh, it may just be semantics, but I would suggest never ever bidding someone up with the sole purpose of I think this guy's going to spend more than he's spending right now because that's how you get caught with guys. If it's somebody that you like, um, I would consider that not bidding them up. That's just you making a bid on someone that you like within the you know parameters you've set of what you're willing to spend on a guy. But if you're bidding them up, like I'm going to, he could, he'll spend five more dollars on this guy. Just know it. That's a bad strategy.
1: Yeah. I would agree with you. I'm actually surprised to hear you say that. Cause I, I would say you bid people up more than probably anyone else in our league, but maybe you're, maybe <laughs> you're doing it from the idea of, no, I actually think this is a good value. I feel like he's worth this.
0: Yes. Hmm. Yeah.
1: That's hundred
0: percent it. Um, I don't do that. I'll
1: bid guys up. I'll bid
2: guys I don't even care for. I'll bid guys up. I want to stab. I've never been caught with a guy I didn't want, really. Once I bid them up, because to me, like, I don't know who brought it up about reading your room, but some of these guys, they're going to bid and bid and bid. You can tell they're going to bid and bid and bid. You can just keep on bidding. They'll be bidding with you. (laughs) <laughs> so I don't know. I guess sometimes you got to read the draft. I think me and Steve Collie talked about that today. Where you, you get in the room, everything could change. You may have some plan in your mind. Everything could change on draft day.
0: Right. I, I think. Um, I think just last year that Steven got caught. <laughs> I don't know if he's bit him up or, but. I, we've mentioned it on the show before, but getting stuck with Eddie Lacy for eight eddie Fatley—because I saw I saw his face just turn as soon as he said it, and the room went silent. Like I knew he didn't want Eddie <laughs> Lacy, and I knew he realized what he just done. So was that bidding someone up, or or what?
1: What was? That yeah, you? I think it, I think it was bidding <laughs> like someone up, and that's fair. But I mean, nine dollars out of three hundred fifty dollar draft. Like whenever I was. Um, you know, thinking about being the moment, like, my best example of that was Kaepernick. That's because I think we had a lower budget back then, and I spent twice as much money on him as I did Lacey. So, definitely not a good call on my part. You're probably right on bidding. up You know, it's not really something I do a lot. I can understand the strategy of it, like Frank's saying. Um, it's not really my game plan for the most part. But, yeah, I think that was one example, John. Yeah, that's the only example I can think of.
0: Uh, you know, it was only $9, but what I think of is that's a roster spot, you know. I could
1: have, <laughs> you yep. could have had Rod
0: Smith. You could have had Rod Smith. He had more good games than Lady Lacey did.
2: Yeah, too. <laughs> you could have had Colt McCoy.
0: Oh, my God.
1: In all <laughs> seriousness,
0: you could have had like – you could have had, like, an Alvin Kamara or somebody Don't, like that. That's,
1: that's best-case scenario. Don't pin that on me.
0: <laughs> but it's possible. Sure. I mean, but I'm just saying, you know, not only did you waste $9 or whatever it was, that's a roster spot, too, and those are just as valuable, I think, right. as the $9. But all right, Steven, so what's your – Is this going to be your last tip? Well,
1: I wanted you to do your last one first because I think mine kind of plays off of it.
0: Okay. So, how about, Frank, you do your last (laughs) one, and I think I'll be ready by the time (laughs) you're done. (laughs) My last
2: tip, guys. I know that this league that we're in, I don't know if every league will be like this, guys, but I've come to take – taking this uh, view on in our league and you make and use it in yours. Some people may not like it, but I don't care. Our league, we've got some guys, let's just say they're not as educated as me, Steven, and John. And we've been noticing that when we start bidding on a guy, they start bidding on the guy. They may not even know him from Adam's cattail. But we i have started, guys, letting the bids just flow. And all of a sudden, it gets to a point where silence is in the room. I'm going to throw a bid on it. Why? Because they haven't hobby horse off my study time. <laughs> and then at the last moment, I'm going to throw that bid out there. <laughs> That's one of the strategies that I take because I just don't want people... Uh, cheating on my on against me and what I've studied and what I've uh, put time in and the hard effort and hard work I've done so I don't know what you guys think about that, but uh, some people look down on that, but uh, tough
0: well, I think when I noticed mm-hmm. people doing that and I saw on a message board the other day somebody was saying like somebody like two people had ganged up on somebody trying to make sure they didn't build a good team or whatever and like what what should they do Uh, I think just use it against them you know like bid on people don't bid too much like but you know throw some early bids on guys you don't really like and make them think that you're inter- interested in that person. Yeah, so use it against you're them. You're saying bring right. up
1: Jarek McKinnon.
0: I think you kind of Beat him
1: up to maybe what he maybe should go for in reality and then let them take the lead from there, acting right. like a second-round pick. Yeah, that would be a good strategy.
2: Or maybe we can talk up guys in the, in the auction and say, man, you got to take a shot at this guy. This guy is unbelievable, and it may be some guy, though. Third string running back from the 49ers. That might be Alfred Morris. Alfred Morris tomorrow. Guys,
1: I think he's going to play a big role this year. Yeah, He actually might. He might.
0: He's back with college. He'll have to go out there with his cane.
1: He's 29. He's younger than I am. (laughs) But, um... yeah, one thing I'll say on this is I this is something I tried last year and it failed miserably. I tried the really say the player's name in an exciting way trick. Uh-huh. I, I said, Amari uh, <laughs> Cooper, and it didn't do anything for anybody. So I don't I don't think that's – maybe it's what you're saying more than how you say it, uh, unless it's Frank yelling at people when he's bidding. But, you know, that, that probably won't work. <laughs> but yeah, I do agree with the logic. Like, that you know, actually Derek does McKinney work. Thing. I think that I think that makes sense.
2: <laughs> hey, uh, Stephen, I heard something on Amari Cooper while we're talking. Oh gosh! Lowest catch percentage last year in the history of the NFL.
1: That doesn't shock me. He was bad. <laughs> he was terrible.
0: Derek <laughs> Carr was bad, and he was worse.
1: There you go. <laughs> So you, who am I not going to be bidding on tomorrow? Hmm. <laughs> one guess. <laughs> all right, John, do you want me
0: to? Do you want me to... I, bet Amari, I bet Amari goes <laughs> for lower than you think, and you're like, ah, I got to bid. <laughs> I got to do it, and I I'll regret I it all it, year, year I gotta again. I got to do it. <laughs> all, right, all right, John, have you up for your computer, last one? which has been working perfectly. Yeah, my computer, which has been working perfectly this whole time, uh, we're ready to go. So my final tip is to set a budget. And the way I set a budget is this. I write down every single starter position and bench spots that the league has in a single file vertical column. Um, Then I'll start with the positions that I value the least and put $1 next to them. For me, that's typically uh, quarterback, tight end, defense, kicker, and the last two uh, bots. So then, I kind of think long and hard about what kind of team I want to construct. So I'll, I'll give you an example so you can kind of get the idea. So if I was playing in a standard, you know, two hundred dollar budget auction, and I wanted to go super, or see what a budget with a super running back heavy uh, budget would look like, you know, I would I would say mark down $60 in the two running back spots and maybe $40 in the flex spot Uh, that's $166 I've already got accounted for so from there I have to decide if I want one pretty good wide receiver and a bunch of dart throws or just a bunch of dart throws um, you know like three or four dollar guys down the line Right. Um, and then once I decide from there that's when you you divvy up the remaining dollars accordingly you know you uh, settle on but th- this is the single most important thing that i'm about to say uh, the next step is to fill in theoretical names that you feel like you could get for the dollar amounts you specified for each position i usually do two or three for each spot uh just to see you know because i don't want to focus in on one single guy for those spots i want to see you know is this budget okay even if i don't get this guy that i want in that spot So, so once, once you've kind of had those specified people, now you can evaluate if you like that theoretical roster or not. And if you don't, you can redistribute your dollars and try another budget, you know, put those, you know, see if you want a more balanced roster, like one, you know, two great running backs and throw that $40 in the wide receiver spot or something like that. So you, you keep doing that um and um so it, it's so important to know the kind of team you would be happy to end up with when you walk out of your draft so a budget in is not like a stead and fast rule about your money it's a, kind of about seeing beforehand the type of roster you would like to construct so, so that's it on my budget. Um, yeah, that, that makes so. a
1: lot of sense because I, I don't guess I realized we do our budgets almost identical. I do the same vertical columns. I do the same, put the names by compare, contrast, which one do I think ends up with the better team? Yeah, that's pretty much spot on. I, I think I mentioned before, I've done dozens probably of budgets coming up uh, this year Um I'd be sitting at work bored and I'd just grab a piece of cardboard and start fiddling around with a a budget, take it home and compare it to what I had and then maybe change a little bit. Um, But one thing I want to add to that is that, and you kind of touched on it, but it's uh, to be willing to stay flexible. Um, It's great to have a plan. It's great to have a plan. You should have a plan. You don't want to just wing this thing. Um, So you plan it out but it's not like you're carving these budgets or these numbers into a rock somewhere. Okay. It's not like a steadfast, like you said, uh, rule. It's more like a guide. It's more like something to just help you along and help you understand. Um, if there's a guy you really want and you realize that he's going to go for like two, $3 more than what you had budgeted for that spot. You know what? Go ahead and grab him take a couple more dollars off tight end, take another couple bucks off another wide receiver spot. If you really think he's worth it, go ahead and grab him. That just means you misjudged a little bit, but not much. Go ahead and pull it out. And then if you save on another position, well, that's just extra that you can throw in another spot. And something I've done for this year is, say I save on my running back one spot, I know where my saved money is going first. Oh, it's going to this spot next. And then after I put five extra dollars in that spot, then I'll move it to this other spot. So I already have like, I already have it planned out. Each, conting- each contingency, what could happen and ha- what my reaction to it is. So having the plan is great, but you don't have to live on it. Because like if we, you get there and all of a sudden Gronkowski's going for much less than you expected. You know what, that guy's really good maybe it's worth it to change your plan and go grab that guy for a cheap price and then figure out the rest on the fly. Um, But I I will advise know yourself because if you're going to get on tilt, if you're going to get scared, if you try to rebuild your budget on the fly, don't, don't do it because that's going to end up hurting the rest of your draft. So maybe build up to that, but I think it's well worth it after some practice to be willing and able to be flexible uh, I think it really does help you end up with a better team.
0: Right. I think that our, the way we do our budgets is so similar. I think I converted you to start doing it, but I think I showed you.
1: Oh, that's probably true. Yeah. Cause originally I did not, but I have been doing it for several years now. Yeah. One
0: last. Yeah. Point. I think I started.
1: Uh, sorry, John. One last point I'll make is uh, the idea of must have players. I'm, I'm going to go against that. I'm going to say it's probably not a good idea just because before the draft, you really don't know what the player values are going to be within that room. And if you do pinpoint a guy or a couple guys as must-haves, you could end up in a pretty bad spot financially, depending on if anyone else may have that guy as a must-have. So it's good to be flexible, have your values for everyone, figured out beforehand, and then you should be good and ready to figure it out as you go.
0: Right, something else, um, and this will be the last thing. Um so I I usually bring three budgets into the draft. Um so so say, you know, I wanna spend sixty dollars on my RB one and but there's only a few amount of players that I would be in that on. So Well above sixty dollars. I want to. I don't want to overspend, you know, on that next those next couple guys and and just throw sixty dollars at them just because I've got that spot of you know. Well, I've got sixty dollars saved for this. I don't want to overspend on somebody just because right. I've got that much saved. So I, well, I have other budgets. Okay, so I didn't get an RB one at this price. Um, here's what I'd be willing to spend on these next few guys. Or, or whatever, you know, kind of differenties that I can do um that are basically determined by the those guys you'll hear in the first you know, ten to twenty rounds. So so it's usually based on, on those high level guys.
1: So what we really need to do is just bring up a bunch of Alex Collinses to start off. a Bunch of average Joe. <laughs> yeah there's I feel like if there was ten Alex
0: Collinses, we would be uh, set. Like Alex Collins, Alex Collins the second.
1: <laughs> I feel like if there were ten Alex Collinses, it. I probably wouldn't like this game half as much.
0: <laughs> that dude's gonna have a monster year because we've been ragging on him so much. Yeah, I just don't like. It. That, that's almost a, almost a that's almost, almost a guarantee, guarantee you now. Yeah. But um, yeah. So is that that's everybody. I think that's kids, it, right? Yeah, um, so I guess that's this segment of the show. We will be uh, recording something later. Um, it's basically just a a recap of what our auction draft is going to be like tomorrow. Um, that way you guys can kind of see how things ended up with us. Uh, but if you don't want to hear that, you can stop listening now. <laughs> that's
1: yeah, what basically what – not, gonna... every,
0: not everybody wants to hear that, but –
1: yeah, the way I'm thinking of it what is we, just for us to like break down these strategies and if we were able to successfully use them or not. Um, you know, things like that just uh maybe share some a uh, little bit of wisdom we might have uh to how we pulled off such great teams, right?
0: Right. <laughs> yeah,
1: we'll we'll figure that out
0: uh by tomorrow, but but that does it for this segment. Um, and I'll go ahead and do our plugs for the um uh, you know, follow us on Twitter at fantasy underscore junk, um, and send us and, or send us an email at the fantasy junkies at com. That's the email, Stephen. Oh, thanks, uh, man. Junk- I
1: appreciate having <laughs> you around. <laughs> um,
0: That's why you have the big And buzz. also, yeah. <laughs> also, if you guys are listening on Apple podcast, uh, you know, subscribe to the show and then, um, you know, rate us and, uh, writer. So, so that, that'll do it for this part of the show. And then we'll pack that other part. See you folks. Hope you enjoy it. uh, Yep. Have a good one.
1: All right. So we're here post auction draft to talk about our strategies, how we think things went and just talk about our team. So I guess I can go ahead and go first. Um, our auction really started with a boom. Guys were going for really expensive. Like, you know, we've we mentioned we have that $350 uh, budget, so obviously guys are going to be highly priced. Most of my budgets I expected to get Zeke Elliott or Saquon Barkley uh, for somewhere around $100. They actually started going for 120 something like that. So I had to let those guys go. I'll admit I panicked a little bit. when I didn't get one of my boys. But I did uh, end up with DeAndre Hopkins as my first big buy. So I ended up getting a better price on him than some other folks did. Um, I I think I did successfully um, focus on my own team. There's definitely a lot of things going on. I talked about focusing on my own team. I can think about uh, the only time I didn't necessarily stay in the moment is whenever I probably overbid for Ty Montgomery, ended up getting him, but then that decision ended up costing me a chance at Deion Lewis just a few minutes later. Tom will tell if that was a good decision, bad decision, but I did end up with some depth later on, so maybe it worked out just fine. Um, just spout off the team here. Uh, quarterback, I got Kirk Cousins. Running back, Todd Gurley, Jordan Howard, Sony Michelle, Ty Montgomery, Tevin Coleman, Rex Burkhead. And then, since we have an IR spot, I did grab Darius Geis at the very end for cheap. We, we're a keeper league. Uh, wide receivers, I ended up with DeAndre Hopkins, Brandon Cooks, Corey Davis, uh, Sammy Watkins, Chris Hogan, Jamison Crowder, Devontae Parker. Uh, Trey Burton went for much cheaper than I expected because, you know, we talked about those lulls in the draft. He was right near the end. Nobody really had money. Got him for super cheap. And then the Eagles defense and Jake Elliott, so I really leaned on the Bears and Eagles a little bit. But it didn't go anywhere the way I thought it would, but stay flexible, still ended up liking the roster. What about you, Frank? Well, guys, I went
2: in with several things on my mind. Going into this draft, I'd listened to about 60 hours of podcast fantasy. So I knew I was filled with information. I had it. I was going to either stack at running back or I was going to stack at receiver. I really didn't do either one, but I knew there was two guys I wanted on my team. Fournette was my number one guy I wanted. He went for 99. I didn't really want to pay 99 for Leonard Fournette. Number one, good runner, but he don't really catch the ball out of the backfield, so I thought... Well, my next guy was Melvin Gordon. And Melvin Gordon, as you guys know, nobody was bringing him up. Nobody was bringing him up. And I thought, I'm not bringing him up. I'm going to wait until everybody spends their money, and then I'm going to hopefully get him decent. Well, I didn't really get him. I don't guess I would call it decent, but I did get him for 96. And I had Christian McCaffrey, so I know I needed a bell cow that could really carry the ball. Score some points, so I kind of enjoyed that. But I, it kind of dwindled my money down to like um, twenty dollars, and I still had like ten guys left, something like that. That receiver I already had a stud at Michael Thomas. And guys, I was thinking I wanted um, T Y Hilton. Guys.
1: Mm-hmm. I got bid up to $100. I about fell out of my seat just right there. (laughs) Goes to snow. Every draft is different. (laughs) These guys are foolish. Not that
2: he's not a good receiver. but I'm not paying $100 for T.Y. Elton. And I had, I know against Stevens, great faith and great wisdom. I went, I knew that I wanted Amari Cooper. (laughs) Because I've been kind of getting some insight on John Gruden. Yeah, he really likes if he's got a number one guy, he feeds him. So, hopefully, when he does get fed, Steve, he'll actually catch the ball. That would be great. That's Uh,
1: the big if. I
2: I won't labor the point, but just a little bit on my roster, I got Matt Ryan for a buck I thought was a good, good deal because I heard last night listening that he always has a great year and then he has a subpar year. It's supposed to be his great year, so I got him for a buck. And then I got Jared Goff late. I think I got him for a dollar. Uh, I just figured with their offense, he could put up some good numbers still uh uh switching them back and forth as quarterbacks. Guys, my running backs, I went with a jive because I kept hearing about Eagles having this number one offensive line, which they do. And I got his backup, Corey Clement, to kind of like put a pair of them together. I ended up with, of course, Melvin Gordon, as I said. I've already got McCaffrey, which I like a lot. Uh, I got some Aaron Jones, who averaged five yards a carry last year. So I think I'm okay there. My receivers, of course, I went out and got some Doug Baldwin, who I thought everybody may have been scared off just because of the injury. But, uh, so I, I like my team. I kind of um... I don't know what you guys think about DJ Moore, but preseason, I know it's preseason, but he's been putting up some good numbers with cam. So, um, I think John, I am fine, but, uh, I think pretty much I thought I did exactly what I thought I would do, but I wouldn't maybe some of the guys I thought I would get.
0: So I'll let John go. All right. I kind of did the exact opposite of what I thought I would be able to going in. Um, this is a keeper league, so we had two keepers. Mine were Kareem Hunt and Dalvin Cook um, at a bit of a discount. So what I wanted to do was pair those two with a stud running back, and there were two on the board, I thought, Zeke and Barkley. So so with the nomination strategy I was talking about yesterday, um, I thought I would get a little shock value in there and throw Saquon. I was the first one to nominate. Um, so I thought I would... Do shock value, I threw Saquon Barkley out there for 95. He ended up going for 108, which was a little more than what I wanted to pay. Um, I don't think anyone had ever before today been bid over 100. And we had three or four who did it today. So the auction, even if you know who you're drafting with, sometimes you, you cannot predict what's going to happen. Um, so I didn't end up with Zeke, or Zeke went for 119. So I think my nominating strategy backfired because it it showed everyone if you want somebody you're going to have to pay more than market value. Um but I think that I think, it, John, I think you I think you shocked them into spending. Yeah. <laughs> and that was not my that was not my intention. I wanted them to not spend. Uh that's what <laughs> happened though. I'm pretty sure. Um but I I think that helped me uh Get some values later in the draft. Um, I'll go ahead and go over my team, and then we we can uh, do closing thoughts or whatever. But I got Drew Brees for nine dollars. That's my quarterback. Uh, running back hunting. I had hunt for fifty four and cook for fifty. I got Devontae Freeman for fifty seven. So that's that's the third running back I ended up with. Got him at a pretty good discount compared to what other running backs were doing. Uh, I don't like my depth after that. Uh, I've got Ronald Jones, Spencer Ware, the handcuff uh, Hunt, and then Devontae Booker. And then I drafted Deontay Foreman because we have an IR spot. Throw him in there, grab a guy off the waivers. Um, my wide receiver is what I really liked. I got A.J. Green for 65. Uh, the really top guys were going in the 90s and even the 100s. So I love that value. Mike Evans I got for 48. So those those are my starters. Will Fuller, uh I kinda did something similar to Steven there where he got Ty Montgomery and then later regretted it. That's kind of me with Will Fuller, but I mean I spent twelve dollars. He could he could definitely give me back that value. Marvin Jones I got for fifteen, Josh Gordon for sixteen, Cooper Cup for six, and uh Dee, Dee Westbrook for seven. This is PPR. Uh and then tight end I went real cheap. George Kittle for a dollar. Uh, Denver Broncos defense for a dollar, Dan Bailey for a dollar. So I think I went – my only problems with my receivers is I went a little too risky, but I think I shored that up at the end with Cooper Cup and D.D. Westbrook that can, uh, you know, produce for me every week. So so if the other guys are underwhelming, just throw those guys in there. So, but, uh, yeah, I'm still happy with my draft. It kind of goes with – goes with the budget. Um, I was flexible. Uh, it didn't go at all the way I thought but I still feel like I've got a pretty good team so
1: on my team. it obviously is nothing like I would have expected. I thought I'd have two just superstar running backs and in PPR Jordan Howard is my number two is not it's fine but it's not really as beautiful as I would have liked. I do like that I got Gaius as a potential keeper really cheap for next year possibly and i have an ir spot, so i can jump on and try to race john for uh cj anderson because somehow no one else paid cj anderson um i love my wide receiver depth but honestly i'm gonna probably end up starting the wrong guy just about every week so we're gonna have to consolidate some of that with some trades i would go ahead and predict uh try to get some two-for-one deals or something like going that going But my onesie positions, I mean, Eagles defense, Eagles kickers, great. Kirk Cousins is a fine quarterback. And then Trey Burton, more athletic than most, as I've talked about on the pod. So I'm happy with him. Frank, what are your thoughts?
2: Well, I'm going to give you guys some props. Steven goes out and grabs at the end of the draft Darius Geist to put on IR. It's good thinking, Steve. I like that. And then... John goes out and gets Foreman from the Texans, and so those two, because, guys, we've known Lamar Miller to be not that great. So Foreman comes back, that could be a really good pickup. As far as my team, the one thing I was trying, guys, to do, like, I wanted to have three solid backs and three solid receivers, and then kind of fill it in with uh, some good bench players. And I thought
1: the only
2: thing I really, really regretted was running back because the time I spent on Gordon and already had McCaffrey. Uh went with a Jai and guys we all know this. That could be a flip of the coin. Let's just be honest. So I've had to add some cheaper runners, so I don't know. Maybe doing some trading here. Very soon, maybe on my running back core. I don't know, we'll just see how it goes. But um all in all I thought, man, it was a great day and Guys, we, uh, except for the one hiccup guys, we have one guy in our league thought he could just bid over the cap and he needed what six players. Yeah, he, that makes
1: an interesting day. Yeah, you can't end up $50 over budget with six guys left. But, you know, we, we, we got it figured out, we fixed it. He ended up getting right. a bunch of one dollar guys at the end, so and he was hoping to get to leave the room a little bit early and he ended up having to stay right to the end because. Yeah, all, all you got's a dollar each, so he, he paid the price. <laughs> cool. So. Alright guys,
0: well thank you guys for listening. Uh, if you stuck around. Um we might throw the uh everybody's teams in the show notes. That way you can you know, that way you don't have to just listen. Them. Yeah. <laughs> so um but that'll do it for today's fantasy junkies. Um Thank you guys for listening. See ya. See ya.